Hey, my name is Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. And at our church, we talk a lot about wanting to be a part of restoring faith in Jesus and the church. So we want you to know, wherever you find yourself on your spiritual journey, whether you're deconstructing or reconstructing, whether you're disentangling, doubting, rebuilding, no matter where you are, we want you to know that you are not alone. And we want to be a support for you as you journey down this road of faith. So if you have questions or you need support, we would love to chat with you. You can reach out to us through our website at restoreaustin.org. And we hope you enjoy this week's message. Thank you. Thank you, Tiffany. Tiffany said my version was good too. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So if you're confused about why that clip is playing currently, uh, that means you weren't here a couple of weeks ago. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were um, talking about joy and how to experience joy and the idea of Jesus experiencing joy in the midst of community. Um, and uh, we, we had kind of two things happen. One was that we were accidentally playing the entirety of John Mulaney's opening to Saturday Night Live that started with a Louis Farrakhan joke, which was not, it was an accident. Um, so we pulled that. Um, and uh, we couldn't find this clip, and so I improvised it on stage. And I don't know, it went okay. It went okay, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, then the other thing that happened is that I mentioned a second ago is that Danny had a medical emergency. Um, and so we ended up um, stopping what we were doing, going to stop a pray, EMS came, the whole thing. Um, and, uh, and so since we only got a few minutes into the message two Sundays ago, I want to revisit this idea of what it means to have a posture of joy inside of community. Not because I didn't want to write another sermon. I know some of you are thinking that. That's fine. <laughs> no judgment. Um, but really, truly, because I think this idea of experiencing joy in community, even in the midst and especially in the midst of difficult circumstances, is like so vitally important. And I feel like if, if we don't get this, if we don't understand what it looks like to, to transcend our experiences, our circumstances, our struggles, our pain by being in healthy Jesus-centered community with each other, then not much else matters, right? If we don't have that, if we don't have people that can walk through the ups and downs of life with us, then not much else matters. And so I want to revisit this idea today. We're in the middle of a teaching series called Wholehearted Postures, and it's all about how we as Christians are called to show up in the world, the postures that we choose to inhabit. And each Sunday, we're looking at a different posture that Jesus embodied and how we are called to do the same thing. So we're going to spend the rest of this morning talking about how we can embody a posture of joy inside of community, regardless of the circumstances that we're facing. So I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to dive in. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your provision, for your love. Thank you for all the things that we just sang about, who you are, who you say we are. And I pray that as we open your word, your scriptures, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds to them, to the truth that is within them. God, and that you would open our hearts to the ability to deeply connect with you and one another. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think that that John Mulaney clip is so funny because it's, like all great jokes, it has truth in it, right? Like, it really is miraculous to have 12 best friends in your 30s. And it wasn't even just the 12 guys, right? Jesus also had a number of women that he was really close friends with. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, Mary and Martha, and more. All in all, it was probably about a group of 20 to 25 people that Jesus spent almost every single day of the last three years of his life with in deep community. 
So have you ever wondered why Jesus had so many close friends? Now, there are some obvious reasons for it, right? Like he was a rabbi, and all rabbis had disciples who followed them around in order to kind of uh, understand and learn from them. Another obvious reason is connected to that first one, right? Jesus knew he wasn't going to be around forever, and he wanted his unique ministry that was centered on the sacrificial love for God and for one another to be carried forward beyond his death and resurrection. But honestly, I think one of the main reasons for Jesus' friendship is often overlooked, And that is Jesus had so many friends and deep connections with family and the people around him because he knew intrinsically that joy is found in community. Joy is found in community. I want you to just listen to what Jesus said to his friends on the night before he died on the cross. John chapter 15. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And I have told you this so that... My joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. I instead have called you friends for everything I learned from my father I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. And this, again, is my command, love one another. Jesus is pretty clear here, right? If we want to remain in God's love, if we want to experience a joy that transcends, a joy that Jesus said is complete, then it happens by loving each other sacrificial love in community. And we can't love each other if we are not with each other. Love does not happen at a distance. Love happens in relationship. Joy happens in community. In his wonderful book called The Other Half of Church, Jim Wilder puts it like this, joy is relational. It is what we feel when we are with someone who is happy to be with us. Joy does not exist outside of relationship. And this relational joy that he's talking about here comes both from communion with God and from communion with one another. The Jesuit priest, Father Greg Boyle, says it like this, Jesus invites us to joy. The holiness to which we are called is to know joy in its fullness. We let ourselves be drawn to the tender one that is God, whose face is unbridled joy. We are beckoned into this locus of joy. The unbridled joy of communion with God and with one another is what we were created for. If you have some church background, you probably know that Christians believe in something called the Trinity. And we believe that scripture teaches that God is both three and one, right? This is not an easy concept to wrap our minds around sometime, but the easiest way is something like this. God is the creator and sustainer of the universe, eternally existing in three equal persons, Father, Son, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That sentence is from the what we believe section on our website. It's inspired by what most Christians have believed about God for 2,000 plus years and these creeds, these ancient uh, belief statements that exist. The reason I'm talking about it right now, though, and the reason it's so important for us to understand today is because this triune God, the Trinity, created each of us and all of humanity together. It was a joint 
effort. The Trinity existed before the creation of the world, Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, in this atmosphere of ever-giving, self-sacrificing, perfect community. And this communion that they shared isn't just what they did, it was core to who they are. And then they decided to make us, humanity, out of the overflow of that perfect community. That's what it says in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. We were created in the image and likeness of our communal God for the purpose of communion with God and one another. I want to say that again because that's important. We were created in the image and likeness of our communal God for the purpose of communion with God and with each other. Listen again to how Jesus says it in a prayer that he prays right after he finishes teaching about joy in that passage we read just a second ago. He says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's, I think, truly like an astounding, beautiful passage that we could spend a lot of time on. But Jesus here, the Son, is praying to the Father, two of these members of the triune God, right? And Jesus' prayer is that we would experience unity as they experience unity. The communion that they share, Jesus prays, is the communion that we share. The love that they have is the love that we have. The unity that they have is the unity that we have. So Jesus spends his last few hours on earth praying that we would lean into the loving community that we were created for. And this was not just Jesus's prayer, this desire for humanity to live in loving communion with him and each other. It was the driving force behind much of his entire life and ministry. I think that's why the birth of Jesus was announced like this. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Good news of great joy for all people. And what was that good news? I like how John says it in his account of Jesus' life. John 1.14. So the word, that's Jesus, became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Jesus came and made his home among us. He came to be with us us in deep communion with us. That's why the biblical writers nicknamed Jesus Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. You see, when God wanted to reveal his very best news to us, when God wanted to bring us joy that would transcend any circumstance, he didn't write a book or preach a sermon or send a gift. He put on flesh and made his home with us. He came to be with us, communion. Why? Well, I think for a whole bunch of reasons that have to do with justice and forgiveness and death and resurrection, but it's also because God wanted to bring us 
joy. He wanted us to experience joy. And not just us, absolutely everyone. That's why the angel says good news of great joy for all people. Doesn't say okay news of some joy for a few people, right? Good news of great joy for absolutely everyone. And it's why Jesus spent his whole life in intimate, loving community with the people around him because joy happens in relationship. Joy is a communal activity. And this, my friends, is why joy is able to transcend whatever it is that we are walking through. For the last few decades, a phrase has become common in the academic circles around sociology and psychology, and I think it's an expression that we as Christians should not only be exploring, but wholeheartedly embracing. And the phrase is this, community is a buffer to trauma. Community is a buffer to trauma. See, the reason we're able to experience joy in the midst of difficult times is because we don't have to walk through them all alone. Being in healthy communion with God and one another is a buffer to trauma. We see this reality played out all the time. We saw it a few weeks ago right here in Austin during the ice storm, right? Crews drove in from all over the state and all over the country to help with power restoration and cleanup, neighbors helping neighbors, an elderly woman in my neighborhood. She had an entire tree uprooted in her yard. It spilled over onto her car, onto her driveway. She was trapped, she couldn't get out. No sooner had the sun come up after the night it happened than 10 neighbors were out there with chainsaws and trucks and whatever else they needed to clean her driveway, to get her car back to being uh, usable and to help get her out and what she needed. I heard and saw so many stories like this throughout the ice storm, right? Friends taking in friends, people pooling money to pay for hotel rooms or groceries, families coming together to help each other. When it became obvious that our power wasn't going to come back on anytime soon, my in-laws took us in. We stayed with them most of the week. So many of y'all checked on us, texted us, offered us a place to stay, helped replace the food that we lost in our fridge. A bunch of friends came over to help us cut and clean up all these limbs that fell. Three different days. The ice storm, it wasn't easy for us by any means, but we were protected from so much of the trauma that could have come with it and even able to experience joy in the midst of it because of the loving community around us. Community is a buffer to trauma. Another time we saw this truth that community is a buffer to trauma in action was right here in this room two weeks ago when Danny had a medical emergency. If you were here, it's honestly, if, if, if you weren't, it's hard to describe what the room felt like in that moment. It was like so scary all at once, right? EMS ended up coming in. We moved chairs. We did everything. We had multiple medical professionals run over and help Danny. But the amount of like peace and love that was just like palpable in the room at that moment. I've never, I've seriously never experienced something like it. It was unbelievable. I remember our, our AISD police officer that helps us out on Sundays came in to help out and get everything ready. So many of y'all just started praying, moving chairs, getting everything ready. Some of y'all ran outside to flag down the ambulance. Like I said, medical professionals were, were giving Danny what he needed in that moment. 
And when the police officer came in, he was like, hey, I think we should probably clear everybody out to the lobby, um, you know, before EMS arrives and, you know, just in case that whatever they have to do, make sure there's privacy and all that stuff. I was like, oh, I hadn't even, even thought of that. Great idea. Cleared everybody out to the lobby. They were able to get Danny into the EMS and, and take him where he needed to go. And I remember I was sitting right here on the edge of the stage talking with like Matt and Gail and a few other of our leaders. And we're talking about like, what, what do we do? What, what's next? And... Uh, you know, Ben mentioned, like, we should probably go out to the lobby and, you know, talk to people <laughs> if they're out there. And I, I literally was wondering, I, I, I don't know if anybody's still going to be here, you know? Like, that was probably, like, five or ten minutes ago. They, they probably went home or to brunch or something like that. And I remember walking out, and, like, every one of you was still there and praying and asking if he was okay and what you could do to help and what was needed. I have rarely ever experienced community like that. Unbelievable. So beautiful. That, my friends, is what it looks like for healthy community to buffer trauma. That is what it looks like to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Did you know the phrase one another is used a hundred times in the New Testament? One hundred times. Be kind to one another, accept one another, forgive one another, be devoted to one another, don't judge one another, encourage one another, care for one another, love one another, and on and on and on. I would say if I had to pick a core teaching of Jesus and of the entirety of the New Testament and probably the entirety of Scripture, it is sacrificial love for one another and for God. The sacrificial love that God has for us and the sacrificial love that because of that we are called to embody for one another. That is the central message of our faith. When Jesus had time for one final lesson, one final teaching for his closest friends, he said, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. We all need this sacrificial, love-centered community. And I am simultaneously grateful for the community like this in my life and also grieved for folks who don't have these types of relationships. I feel grief especially for the most vulnerable among us who have often been left to fend for themselves by us and by society. Widows, widowers, orphans, the elderly, the disabled, our unhoused neighbors, Alan Graham, the founder of Mobile Loaves and Fishes and Community First Village, often says the single greatest cause of homelessness is a profound and catastrophic loss of family. That's why they nicknamed the village Community First, because they do more than just housing. They do community first. And it's this 51-acre master plan community, and it provides affordable permanent housing, but also supportive community for folks coming out of chronic homelessness. So far, they've helped lift over 400 people off the streets and into housing and community. They just got another $35 million from the city of Austin to build an additional 640 units. It's an amazing place. In addition to Community First being one of our partners for the last seven years, we took a church-wide field trip out there last Sunday. And if you weren't able to make it, don't know much about it, I wanna show you this really quick video about the things that they do and why community is really first of importance. Check this out. 
When Trisha and I moved in to this village nearly five years ago, it was an eye-opener to me. Being around people that think differently than I do, look differently than I do, behave differently uh, than I do, uh, was transformative for me. If we really want to restore who we are as human beings together, we got to live together to be able to do it. We were visiting Austin in 2019, and we took a tour of Community First and immediately felt a sense of resonance and drawing to be here. This community is just completely different than the last place we lived. We barely knew the names of most of our neighbors on our last street that we lived for six years. So, and here we knew neighbors' names within a day of them being here. You know, the, the word community is such a, such a big word and it's also a word that's overused a lot. People think they might live in community when in reality they, they don't. We're just part of things every single day, just being present for people. So it um, doesn't necessarily look like serving our neighbors, it looks like living with our neighbors and building that community together. The first people that started moving into phase two started moving into the street that is officially named Sipper Gumby, but has affectionately now been called uh, Happy Street. And to me, it's amazing to drive up and down that street and see what's happened in the yards and on the decks of the people that live there. Our street was one of the first to be populated in phase two, which was really special. So we moved in um, last August, which was August of 2020, and most of our neighbors filled in within the next couple of months. So we got to kind of all be in it together from the beginning, which created this sense of camaraderie, I think. It's like we were all getting our houses ready and starting our gardens and figuring out what outside was going to be like, what our rhythms were. The personality of their lives are expressed in an outward way. Oh, my garden, my garden, that's my, my baby. It started out that I didn't have any grass. It seemed like it was so dry that I decided I'm going to make it water happy, you know, to where I don't have to use water and, and make it conserve it. So I put mulch on the, on the yard, and, and now, oh, wow, I have a garden of Eden. <laughs> you know, I love it. I've always suspected that living on the street, you're in more of a survival mode. And so when people move in here, they're able to put down roots, metaphorically, but also um, literally put down roots and nurture their plants or their animals or, you know, their friendships and, uh, and go beyond that basic level of survival. It makes you happy to see what it is that people are doing. So I think it's neighbors taking ownership of their space because they're happy to be here. Hence, Happy Street. When we first came out here, we were invited to a birthday party. We didn't know we were going to move out here back then. We were just coming out because we liked it so much, we just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. So we knew people on the street already. So it was perfect when they showed us this house. It was the only one they showed us. We're like, we'll take it because we knew the street. It was happy street, but I didn't know what it was called back. This is just pure happiness. Happy all the time. I love it. So Christina and Dustin Height um, that were in that video, they were our hosts last Sunday, and they lead a, a faith community on campus there at Community First, and their job is building the kind of community that we have been talking about today. And on our tour, we split up into three different tours. There was a bunch of y'all out there. We split up into three different tours, and the one that we were on, they stopped and showed us this uh, burial ground on site. And one of the residents that was leading the tour told us that a huge fear that he had when he was living on the streets is that he would die and that no one would remember him. Maybe that no one would even know. And this is a fear shared by many of our unhoused siblings. 
Because when folks pass away on the street and no one claims the body, they're buried in a way that is so undignified. I'm not even going to talk about it up here. But community first is changing all of that. Because not only do they lay people to rest, they provide these markers with their names and their beautiful garden of remembrance all around them. And in fact, one of our hosts told us that when a neighbor is close to death at Community First, the whole community gathers around their home, joins hands, prays, and sings songs. They take turns sitting next to the person if they want somebody with them, holding hands, talking, listening, praying, until the person passes away. I believe that that is the kind of community that each of us were created by God for. None of us, no human in history is self-made or self-sustained. We need God and we need each other. The myth that we can do life alone and it's just fine and we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we can do whatever it is that's needed and we can make it happen if we just try hard enough. If that is done in isolation, it leads nowhere. In fact, mostly what I've seen it lead to is a lot of pain and loneliness and heartbreak. We were made to live in communion with God and with one another. Some of us have healthy community in our lives, and then some of us don't. If you're wondering if the community around you is healthy or not, a great test, according to Jesus, is is your community marked by sacrificial love for each other. If it's not, maybe assess the health of it. See, we believe in the power and necessity of healthy community here at Restore, which is why we are so committed to these things that we call Restore Groups. Like I said earlier, our Restore group, ours, rallied around each other so beautifully during that ice storm a few weeks ago. I went back and looked. We have like a group me, group texting thread thing. There were 55 messages sent on our Restore group chat that week. Almost all of them centered around sacrificially loving and helping anyone who needed something during the storm. For me and my family, our group has become some of our very best friends. They're the folks that we navigate the ups and downs of life with. And whether it's that text thread or our group gatherings, there's always so much joy when we are together. So much joy. No matter what we're walking through. And it's because it's been so amazing for me and for my family that I want it. Community like that for each and every one of y'all. Each and every person, really. I want y'all to be able to experience healthy, joy-filled community, especially if you don't feel like you have it right now. So this morning, like I said a second ago, we're going to end our gathering with something called Group Connect. And so I want to invite our group leaders. They're going to make their way up here, um, and they can line up across the stage. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about how it's going to work. So essentially, all the group leaders are going to come up here. And we have four brand new groups that we're highlighting today and then three existing groups um, that we are also highlighting. So seven groups total that we're going to bring up here. Yeah, y'all all all the way, all the way up here. Yeah, come on, come on. Jordan and Bev are leading us off. Y'all are in over, or wait, are you, you got the mic? There it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. perfect. Um, So. Each of the groups are going to spend 30 seconds or so telling you a little bit about 
who they are, what they're doing, what's happening, what's going on, when they meet, where they are in the process if they're brand new and getting started. And then they're all gonna be over there behind the tables um, to meet you, get some more information. If you wanna sign up for information to hear about next steps with groups, you can. But again, our goal is that each and every person at Restore gets connected to healthy, Jesus-centered, sacrificially loving community. That's our goal, right? And I think what may be a little bit different about us is like if, if you have that somewhere in your life, like you have it deep relational, Jesus-centered, sacrificially loving community and connection, you have it here in Austin or, or wherever you are if you're watching online, if, if you have that, our goal is not to be like, no, no, leave that behind and join one of our groups, right? <laughs> the goal is that you experience that in your life, Right? And so we want, if you don't have that, or maybe you don't have it here, or maybe you've been looking for a healthier version of community, that's what we want to help you take a step with. Sound good? All right. Um, This is the Shaw Horton group. They're going to go first. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. It is so great to be here with you all today. My name is Jordan Shaw, and I have been leading um, our group now for about the last year. It is primarily made up of 20 and 30-somethings, and we just meet every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I am just so grateful for this group. All of our members, everyone is just full of love and light, and it really is a community and kind of a family. So. Shout out to all of our group members who are here today. And if you're new, we would just love to meet you as well. And I'm Beverly. I just started co-leading this year. Every week we gather together and we either study a Bible study or we read a book through together. Right now we're reading a book called Subversive Witness. And then once a month we'll take a break and we'll go and do something social and fun together. So if you want to come meet us, we'd love to have you join us. I have notes. I'm Terry. Uh, God said it is not good for us to be alone, as we've heard today on stage. Did anybody else get a dog to solve that problem? Just me? Well, apparently that's not what God meant, get a dog. God meant I needed to be around people, too, to live in community, which has the word unity in it. That was a very humbling and scary realization for me as an introvert. But here I am. I'm hoping to start a brand new small group. So where are my fellow introverts? My quiet people, 42% of you answered quiet time on that survey. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe shy people, my fellow listeners, my fellow I want to be invited to events, but I also really want to stay home. (laughs) My fellow I want connection with people, but I also want to be left alone. I want to be in a small group, but I don't want to have to engage in a lot of small talk. You get the picture and you know who you are. If you prefer a quiet environment and deeper conversations about life, the Bible, ideas, dreams, faith, your observations and curiosities, I hope to build one, a safe environment where each person feels included, heard, and seen. And I know initially that's gonna be hard because we'll all be strangers and I get that, that's hard for us. (laughs) But I encourage you to have faith. And that's just a phrase that my mom used to always tell me before I even knew what it meant. Have faith. And secondly, I hope to be a group that regularly serves our community by volunteering at places like what one of our community partners. Um, so we're meeting Sundays at noon, right after church, for one hour. Thank you. <laughs> we're Chelsea and Ben Oheim, and we co lead a group in Southeast Austin with Rachel and Charles Samuel. 
And we meet on Monday nights from 6.30 to 8.30, and occasionally on a Saturday morning in a social environment. Um, our group is diverse. We range in age and life stages from 20-somethings to 70-somethings. We have single people, couples, married people, married people with kids. Um, and our goal as a group is to live as friends who become like family. So if that resonates with you, we would love to have you. Hi, everybody. I'm Jessica Blair. This is my husband, Jordan Blair. Oh, man, I should have prepared like more of a Shark Tank speech. <laughs> like, I'm like, hang out with us. Um, we are a new group. We are meeting every other Sunday right after the service. So you're already dressed. Come on, hang out. Um, easy peasy. Um, we'll be meeting either at our house in Southwest Austin some weeks, or we'll be going out to a restaurant or a coffee shop around the area to have a little bit of brunch, coffee, whatever your uh, deal is. Um, and yeah, we're brand new. So come see us. We'll be at the second table over there, or just look for my freakishly tall husband. Uh, and we're excited to get to know you all. Thanks. Hi, I'm Matthew, and together with Rachel and Chase and my wife Sarah, we are the Yarborough Brooks Group. Um, we're a new group. We're starting up in North Austin in the Leander Cedar Park area, and uh, we are very excited about our group for two main things. Uh, the first thing is we are very excited to just really create a space that um, is open for anyone to come and live life with us, uh, no matter what that means for you, where you're at, where your struggles are. You know, we want to be a place where you have the freedom and the permission to be open and vulnerable, and um, we want that permission as well. And so. Uh, that's something we're very excited about. Um, the second thing is uh, really to our life stage. We are currently uh, both firmly in the families with young children life stage. We have, uh, all together we have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and my wife and I have a one-month-old. So um, our time together is gonna be informed by that. Um, we're gonna be meeting, <laughs> we're gonna be meeting every other Sunday at 4 p.m., which is perfect for us to get good time together, but still get the kiddos down for bedtime. Um, we're gonna be meeting in places uh, that are accommodating for that as well, at our family homes, maybe it's gonna be parks, playgrounds, other areas that are in public where we can just have a good time, but also have the kids be entertained. Uh, and it's also gonna affect the way that our time looks, because for better or worse, kids are going to be involved and they're going to be everywhere and sometimes you're going to get pulled to go or we're going to get pulled to see our kids if you have you know kids of the same age you might get pulled for your kids and we want to celebrate that fact and just really um engage our entire families and we're, we're very excited about doing that together so um yeah Hi, everybody. I'm John Robin. My wife, uh, Catherine, and I are, are starting our, I guess, second uh, community group. We hosted one previously um, back before we had a kid. So as y'all been through it, if y'all heard that crying baby earlier, that's mine. Um, yeah, so we are starting down in the Buda, Kyle area. Uh, if you're in South Austin, if you're, if you're down further south, um, come talk to us. We'd love to, we'd love to get to know the community out there. There's a lot of people that live south, and that's where we're at. That's where we're, we're, uh, you know, wanting to really set a footprint and, and just create a community. Um, we're gonna be meeting every other week. We're still figuring out what that looks like now, but we want you to come talk to us if you're interested please come visit us. We'd love to uh, catch up. 
Hi, we are the Fishers. My name is Jonathan, this is Jessica. We lead the Northeast Austin Restore Group. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Currently, um, we've been starting since October. We've been growing our group. We have about nine people right now, all across different ages. We have singles, couples, married with kids. Um, it's a great group that we've been growing and people have been committing to it and just loving to share each other's lives together. Um, we just believe in building community that trusts one another and also just want to live life with one another. Awesome. Y'all give them a round of applause. That's not easy to do. All right, y'all can go ahead and head off to your tables. Um, like I said, the, the goal really, I think I said this earlier, we, we want to have a group that's within like 10 minutes driving, uh, not like Austin traffic, but you know, 10 minutes-ish, <laughs> non-traffic time, um, from everybody who's every store. So we like, you know, launching in Butte Kyle, launching in Leander Cedar Park, and then everywhere in between. The Oheim Samuel group is in uh, Southeast, um, what's that neighborhood called? Easton Park, yes, thank you. Um, so like really trying to be in spaces like all over the city. Um, Terry's group, the Blair's group is kind of in the central Austin area. Then we've got more groups on our website. If you go to restoreaustin.org, you can click groups. There's about five or six more. Um, but four of these groups are just getting started. Will you raise your hand over there if you're brand new? Blair's, Yarborough, um, uh, Brooks, Terry, and John, Robin, and Catherine, and Buta Kyle. So a lot of those groups too, like they're in the process of building, right? They're trying to figure out exactly, like some of them have more set in stone exactly when they're meeting and all of that stuff. But if you're like, you know, that group might really work for me, but I'm not 100% sure about the time. There are some of the groups that are still open to kind of figuring that out, right? As they put a group together and step into all of that. That sound good? Okay, I'm gonna say a quick prayer. We're gonna be dismissed. Um, you can just go over, talk to group leaders like that if you would like to. Um, it is 11.15, which is right when we normally get out. So if you have kids, we'll stay in here. You can go grab your kids if you want, or you can just be like, ah, you know. <laughs> I had to wait for a second. That's your call. You're gonna have to explain it to our pastor, Sonia, later on. Um, your choices on that. Uh, okay, let me pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for, for laughter and tears, for joy and hope and community, for sacrificial love that you give to us and move through us to each other. We are so grateful for who you are, what you've done, and what you continue to do in our lives. So I pray that if, especially if we're here and we, we don't have that step into healthy community, that we would meet some folks, take some steps in relationship today. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.